Welcome to the Millennial Mennonite Podcast. I'm Dwayne. I'm Clark. And I'm Ron. And this is episode six. Man, it's hard to believe that we're already at episode six. I know we've, um, I know we've been through a few of them, and we've kind of been all over. But this one is fun because Clark's back again, so that's kind of cool. Yay! So, what's new with you guys? Well, I come across something the other day. Come across something. Came across something. Potato, potato. I went and washed my hands with my son and he was we were out working we came in to wash our hands he put soap directly into his palms rubbed the soap around and then shoved them under the water to rinse them off and i paused for a minute and i said who taught you how to wash hands and he said obviously his mother did because i'm not an animal and i wash my hands like a decent human being so i need to know (laughs) How do you wash your hands? So are you saying he put the soap in his hand with no water? Yes. He came in from working. He dry-handed it? He put his hands under the soap and just right into the palm. And just then he's just, just lathering around this nasty soap with no water. And mom was just, I didn't know this was a thing. Do you guys do that? Um, I would have to think about that a little bit, but I would say I typically wet my hands first and then pour the soap into them. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Clark, I'm your brother, so we probably were taught about the same person, but I definitely wet my hands first. Yeah, it it makes perfect sense. I was talking to somebody who said they did not. They were my age. I will not call them out, but they are animals because they said they put (laughs) soap directly onto their hands. They said they... They work in, in, in a in the automotive industry. All right, I'm calling them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that not, pretty much narrows that down. They're, they're not from around these parts. Um, but they they said, well, you know, water doesn't do anything to clean your hands. You have to have soap. So you just start with the soap and you and you rub that around and then, then you wash your hands. I'm like, is that how you wash your car? Is that how you wash your dishes? You got a pre-rinse. Got a pre-rinse. That's right. You have to have a conduit for the soap. To move it around. He said conduit. I can't, can't believe you're using electric terms <laughs> it's for not. washing your hands. Look it up. Conduit. Conduit. So uh, that makes me think about something, though. And I do I do pre-rinse my hands. But when you brush your teeth, what's your method for brushing? Like, what are your steps for brushing your teeth, Dwayne? Well, pull out the toothbrush. Yep. That's step one. And you typically the tube of toothpaste is almost empty, so you got to work for about an hour to get the last little bit squeezed out of it. Okay. So once you do that, you just squeeze a row onto your, a row, I don't know what you <laughs> would call that, a row of toothpaste, a line of toothpaste, <laughs> squeeze that onto your brush and go to town. A slab. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I feel like we oh, missed I, some important steps. I did miss an important step. Okay. I wet the toothbrush first. Before you put the toothpaste Before on? Before I put the toothpaste do on. Do you wet it again after you put the toothpaste I do. on? I do. All right. Yes, oh, I do. he is I a do. decent human being. <laughs> How about you, Clark? It's wet, slab, wet, brush. Yep, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I feel like... Floss before <laughs> or after? Well... <laughs> What's floss? <laughs> Fl- floss? Fl- I'm, not floss? Sure. floss? I'm not sure I've heard this word. <laughs> Listen, the only time I use the word floss is when I have to lie to my dentist about how often I do it. 
You don't lie. No, you just say I don't do it. So That's further right. with I'm the, actually I'm I'm honest enough to say, well, not nearly as often as I should. But going on with the teeth brushing a little further, do you brush your teeth completely, then spit and rinse, or do you spit? Well, During see, the teeth brushing process. Yeah, I feel like we need to talk about how long we brush our <laughs> we're, teeth. Were we supposed to be broaching deep subjects? <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting we're, there. We're getting there slowly. <laughs> Listen to me. In five seconds of teeth brushing, it's hard to rinse and spit. I joke. I joke. I brush for more than five seconds. So I think, isn't two minutes? They say the two yeah, minutes two is minutes. what you're supposed two to Two minutes. For. You're supposed to sing Old MacDonald Had a Farm or something, but that's hard <laughs> to do while you're brushing your <laughs> teeth. Mama. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't go for two minutes. Minutes. In the list of deep subjects, this is the mud puddle in my front <laughs> driveway. Yeah, that's okay. We're gonna get deeper. So, uh, no, I always spit. I always spit after I get done. I, I, I mean, just hold it in. I'm a little dribble well, here and there. It's you, fine. You just spit when you get done. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. I tend to spit when I get done. But that, but but there's a lot, probably generally a pretty decent amount of well, lather buildup and dribble in between. Well, sometimes Jenny buys this toothpaste. It's like this natural stuff, and it doesn't. Ugh. foam up oh yeah uh-huh. like it just feels like there's nothing in your nothing mouth I hate it. even yeah. though the foaming up don't really do right. anything no. but it kind of but it, it helps feel cleaner right. exactly. for some reason i like to when i'm done i like to take my my, my finger on my teeth and go <laughs> make the squeaky noise it has just to feel so clean it has to be which I might to. also add that I do to my bald head after i get out of the shower <laughs> <laughs> Now, I always I always floss before because that makes good sense to me, yeah. but um, my wife Hannah flosses after, and she's like, well, if you floss before, you're just going to rub the stuff back in between your teeth with the brush, and I'm like, no, you rinse and spit. See, that's exactly what Jenny says. She says you should floss afterwards. For, for the same reason, you <laughs> rub the stuff back in your teeth. And, uh, you know, well, I don't know that it makes that big of a difference. I asked my dentist. He said before. <laughs> <laughs> I, like to, I like to floss before, but generally because I remember I mentioned earlier that I'm not great at flossing. So the way that I've tried to get better at flossing is that in my car I have those little toothpick flossers, yeah. you know, and, um, and I use them on the way to work, which <clears throat> I wish I could shave disgusting. on the way to work. That would simplify things a lot. But the only way to do that is with an electric razor. And I just... <clears throat> Nope, nope. That's not the only way. The, uh, there is another way. Tesla's self-driving cars. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're still, you're still going to make a mess, though. Then you're there with your beaver, beaver tail brush, rubbing it in the soap, <laughs> and slup, slup, slup. <laughs> lathering it on straight razor. <laughs> your, but, your butler sitting in the side seat doing it for you. What you talking about? Your Tesla changed lanes shave yourself <laughs> and accelerates abruptly. <laughs> Next thing you know, you got six cuts. <laughs> so painful. All right, so with all that, and as amusing as all that is, um, we have promised, I think, in, uh, Dwayne and I did as early as episode one, that, we'd be, that we will be touching on some fun subjects having to do with, with our lives, with our churches, with our community. And so we're actually going to do that this evening. We are looking forward to, to talking about some subjects that we've discussed and, and that are important to us. So with that, we're going to break to the main segment, and we'll see you there. Well, it's time. We promised them that we'd go into deeper subjects. And so it's time to get deeper subjects. I read a story a while back that I thought interestingly relates to our churches. 
and uh, it's a it's a story or maybe a more of a parable because obviously this didn't really happen, but it's a parable by Soren Kierkegaard, which is a very odd name. Sure, for him, Soren Kierkegaard, you. right? Uh, he says that there was a town where only ducks lived, and every Sunday the ducks waddle out of their houses and they waddle down to the main street to their church. They waddle into the church and they squat in their pews. The duck choir sings. And the duck pastor comes and reads from the duck Bible. He encourages them. And these are the words he uses to encourage them. He says, ducks, God has given you wings. With these wings, you can fly. With these wings, you can rise up and soar like eagles. No walls can confine you. No fences can hold you. You have wings and you can fly like birds. All the ducks shout, amen. And then they waddle home. And when I read about this, I thought, you know, I wonder sometimes how we get locked in to where we're at. You know, these ducks, this, I thought it was a a cool parable that here's these ducks that according to their duck preacher, you know, all they had to do was spread their wings and whoo, they could fly away like birds. And yet they just go and contentedly waddle home and they're just part of their duck community doing their duck thing. And so I wondered, um, I wanted to talk today a little bit about why it is that we suddenly find ourselves sometimes, um, and, and I say we, I'm talking to us three in the room, but I'm really even somewhat talking about myself here. I find myself comparing myself to people around me. Like, why is it that I feel like that I'm at the right place? Why is it that I feel like people that are more liberal than me are, are sinners? And if it's fair for me to use the words liberal and conservative, and people that are more conservative than me are doing, are doing unnecessary things, right? So what do y'all think about that? I think it all comes back to human nature and we get settled into our lives because our lives are focused around our families and providing for them. And that right now and at our age is our main focus. It's to go to work, it's to make money, to provide for our family, to bring them up. You know, we're worried about schooling for children you know, you know, clothes for the wintertime, which, you know, God provides for sure. But then in doing that, yeah, we can go to church on Sunday and hear how great that we should be and how blessed that we are and what our goals spiritually should be. But yet on Monday morning, we get up at six o'clock and we go to work and it's back to the same routine. We are we're, we're creatures of habits, and so we get into these habits, and and we just follow the daily routine. And if nothing breaks us out of that, we really don't have anything to break it up, and we just back to it again. Yeah, I agree with Clark. Um, I think there can be a danger of getting in a routine like that, especially in our churches. You know, because we are very much creatures of tradition and i know clark was talking about more of a day-to-day well but that plays into it because we go to church on wednesday night we go to church on sunday morning on the days that we have on the sundays that we have church on sunday evening it's more we do this out of habit more than anything well i shouldn't i'm speaking for one person here but it's just this is what we do here and this is what we do here and this is what we do here. And as long as we do these things, we're fine. Yeah, but it sounds to me like you are talking about complacency. And, and I think you're right. I think we have a danger of complacency 
and and complacency is bad. But what I'm talking about, I think, is is in addition to complacency. So I think it starts with complacency, but it's even worse than that because not only is it complacent, now we begin to compare ourselves to others and say how we're better than them. Like we're we're the liberals are sinners, so we're less sinful than them, and the conservatives are legalistic or we're we're more we're more spiritual than them because you know we understand better what what god's word the liberties that god's word provides for us right? so you're saying that i shouldn't feel better about myself than the mennonite who puts on the uh, i wouldn't say inappropriate clothing but they dress a certain way on monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday but yet as long as they're wearing solid slacks and a solid shirt on sunday morning they're okay. That's right. I think you shouldn't feel better about yourself than that person. I try not to, but it's hard. <laughs> well, I mean, so I don't know. I, like, I, I love C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis says, uh, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. And so I really wonder if when it comes right down to it, we as Christians practice pride in comparison to people around us. Yeah, and that's human that's human nature is to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We compare ourselves to people that we feel are not as good as us or not as spiritual as us, and that makes us feel better about where we are, which is also a form of pride. Yeah, and the, the sad part is for me, I don't know about for y'all, I'm going to tell myself here, this is horrible for me to just admit this like this out to the whole public. <laughs> but for me, I, I agree with you, Clark, but I do that and I always come out on top. Like, who? it doesn't, like, unless I'm feeling down. <laughs> In general, I'm always comparing myself and always winning that comparison. You always come to the conclusion that you're better yes. than other people. Yes. And well, that's I'm not gonna make a scenario in my head where I'm the guy that comes out on the bottom. <laughs> I guess I guess is what they say about playing golf. You never lose when you play alone because you keep your own score or any sport. I guess that's the scenario you're given there, is that you just always set it up where you win. But if we do that, then we need to find people that we feel have uh uh better way of doing things or maybe we feel like are doing things the correct way or better than us and see how they do things and then maybe try to copy some of the things they do or or pattern our lives after their you know daily routines like what are they doing that are better than that i've done that with you you've told me about some things that you've done you know listening to devotions on the way to work in the morning and you know i said well that's that's just makes good sense. You know, I drive an hour. Why would I not listen to scripture on my way to work? It just makes good sense. And so right. it's important to find people that we feel are doing things right and try to follow them and do less of seeing how people are doing things wrong. I like the whole idea there of comparison being something that we can do when we're, it's not so much even comparison, then it becomes almost like a, a mentorship like you're you're building off of a person that you're looking up to the c.s lewis also said a proud man is always looking down on things and people mm-hmm. and of course as long as you're looking down you can't see anything above you so he, he doesn't even say that it's wrong to look at other people 
But as long as you're looking down, you can't look up. And I think that's the problem. I think too many times I get caught looking down because I can look down at almost anyone. I've just proved this by this conversation that not only can I look down at people that I say are more liberal, that maybe have more spiritual freedom or whatever it is, however they're defining it. I'm also looking down on people that are more conservative or people that I may feel like are more restricted. So I've called everybody bad and somehow I'm at the top of the mountain and, and I'm the guy that's good. Yeah. And it still comes back to complacency because it's people that are comfortable where they are that tend to look around at other people and compare themselves. If you're actively seeking God's will for your own life, you're not going to be looking at other people as much. You're going to be looking, what what can I do in my life for God yeah. and not compare yourself as much with others? Yeah. In the last five minutes, I realized that I compare myself to Ron and realize that I do not have as nearly as a qualified, I don't know, repertoire of C.S. Lewis quotes. <laughs> and I feel like well, that's, 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 a, <laughs> that's a place that I really need to catch up on. <laughs> this dude's quoting it just bam, bam, bam. I'm this sorry. It's a world, world of knowledge I, here. I, I, no, I really like C.S. Lewis. I, I apologize. Wrong with that. There's, there's, there's another wrong one. <laughs> all you got to do is follow the C.S. Lewis page on Facebook. That's and you'll exactly get right. A lot you'll of get quotes. all his new posts. Oh, yeah. yeah, all his fresh yeah. stuff yeah. comes out weekly. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, good to know. I've begun to listen to the C.S. Lewis podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's in old English, but you know you can pick up on it. <laughs> this is, it's good stuff. One of the things that another thing that that um that I saw and I can't quote anyone on this. It's someone said it. I did, it's not original to me, but um but there's no quote to it, and it says, "Don't compare your beginnings to someone else's middle." I guess the thought behind that is, this is it was probably less spiritual and just more like on a physical mm. level. Like if you're starting playing piano, don't compare yourself to some person who's been doing it for some great time, mm-hmm. but. This should probably also go spiritually. Like the problem with comparison spiritually is that there's there's no way to know how the person you're comparing with, how far they are along in their relationship with God. Maybe it's reverse. Maybe it's your middles and you're comparing it with their beginnings and so you're calling them bad, but really they're just starting their walk with God. And maybe ten years from now they'll they'll have learned some things and do some things differently. Or maybe it's it's my immaturity and me 10 years from now will do something different because I've now realized how, how immature I was or how I really wasn't actually truly looking after what God wanted. Is there is there a place and a time for complacency, though, for getting in a groove of life and, and just moving through at your own pace and doing your own thing? Is, is there a time in life when that's okay, or does it always need to be we need to be moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. Or is it, yeah, I'm good with where I'm at right now. And, you know, I'm reaching the people that are in my, you know, work circle or home circle or, you know, your neighbors, you know, I go mow his grass and I talk to him or, you know, I go help this guy out. And, you know, it's not necessarily, you're not being complacent, but you're not just pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah, well, that's not complacency because you're actively doing God's work by doing that. That's the difference. Complacent people are the people like Ron talked about that just get dressed up to go to church on Sunday morning. And as soon as church is out, that's, that's all they do with that for the entire week. You know, they got it's habit to go to church, do that. 
and it's fine to have habits throughout the week, but I think we're talking about spiritual complacency here. That's the issue. And what you were talking about, that's not spiritual complacency because you're active. Right. And I, th- I think to Dwayne's point, I do think that it's, it can be a good thing to maybe sometimes it does seem like we're just waddling where the ducks that waddle, right. And not flying because sometimes flying feels like the big things. Sometimes flying feels like it's when you're, you know, you're out doing giant things for God's kingdom, but God requires people to be here too. I mean, Galatians six, four says, let every man prove his own work and then he'll show up rejoicing in himself alone and not another. So that's about not comparing yourself, but it's also about proving your work. So God may have called you to a work here and now that's in your community that's smaller, that, that doesn't affect many people, maybe only affects one or two people, maybe maybe just impacts the community in a way that's not even visible to people. Maybe you're working entirely behind the scenes, but God's work for people is different. And some people, maybe maybe it looks like some people fly because they are doing such big things. But I think that we can fly no matter what we're doing. It's just what God has called us. It's making sure that we're doing what God has called us to do. Well, the preacher duck said something about, told the ducks they could soar like eagles. And I just, I mean, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with that. Ducks can never soar like eagles. That's just, that's (laughs) that's not going to (laughs) happen. That duck does not put water on his back before he puts the soap on <laughs> he, he, he definitely doesn't no, dub, he, he does, doesn't, definitely doesn't double rinse his toothbrush no, he, he's never flossed a day eh, ducks don't floss <laughs> there's no teeth there no. so i no, but that's a good point and i'm glad i'm glad you brought that out clark because th- there is there is some uh, there is a lot of truth in that like there is i think there's some importance in understanding what what God has made us for and what God has made us capable of. Because sometimes, I don't know, when I was young, and I don't want to derail this conversation, but when I was young, they used to say that you should tell a child they can do anything. Man, oh. you don't tell a child they can do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying that you should try to discourage a person's learning, but like within our, within our relationship with God, we should understand that some things God has wired us to do, and there are some things that, that he hasn't. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try new things. And we should be certainly open to God leading us in new directions. But sometimes ducks just can't be eagles. And and to be quite frank, eagles can't be ducks. So it's not to say that either is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just knowing what you're capable of. I will set my son down and tell him that he does not have a career in the NBA. It's not going to happen <laughs> for many reasons. But <laughs> most of which is just that... He's just not going to make it on that level. And <laughs> we need to realize what our capabilities are. And not then, if we do that, then we won't be frustrated by attaining a goal that's not really possible or, or setting ourselves up for failure, As I guess, you know, because we want to be this great. Well, God doesn't need great. God needs us to follow him. And, and whatever he has for us, we will be great in his way. In doing that, we focus on us. And in a good way, not, you know, not in a selfish way, but focus on what God wants in our lives and not compare ourselves so much to others and also find out what God's will is for us as far as, you know, what he wants us to do. Yeah. When we do compare ourselves to each other, like the Bible actually talks about comparing ourselves to each other and it gives very specific directions. Um, Philippians says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So it says, feel free to compare, but when you do, Make others better than yourself. And I think that that to me is is not natural at all. Um, and that's something that I have to that I really have to continually work on. But that's the way that we should think. Dwayne said that we need to 
seek God's will for our lives. And I know we have a wide range of listeners, but as a young person, that was something I heard a lot, but I didn't really understand what it meant. And I didn't understand what it meant because I didn't understand how to achieve that or how, how to find God's will. And I think we can tie in another point with what you're saying there, Clark. And that is one thing that I feel that we fail at is connecting to young people and answering those questions for them. It's easy. I was in the same boat as you when I was a youth. (laughs) You know, you hear these things and you know that they're taught to you. But how often are they explained? I mean, how does a young person seek God's will? Obviously, they know they're supposed to do that, but is it explained? Is it, is it, are they shown how that is to be done? For a young man, it's not really okay to talk about how you're feeling. Right. It's not okay to approach somebody about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And right. so you're kind of isolated as to your, you know, what's available to you. It's super awkward to go up to your preacher and tell him, you know, you feel like your friends are going to look at you and say, what are you doing this man? You know, what, what are you, what are you doing? So are we saying that we're just encouraging everybody to go out to the young men in their church and say, Hey, uh, what, what are you, what are you thinking? Where are you at? Because all, obviously that approach doesn't always work either. I do think though, I, I said that kind of tongue in cheek, but I, I do think that we should take an interest in young people because I think that to me, when I was that age, the, some of the most impactful people in my life were older people, older men that took an interest in my life and, and didn't come and say, hey, you know, what do you think God has planned for you or what do you got going on? But just were just were there and interested, you know. And so I think that, that we would all do well to do that because I really think that goes a long way in, in, in helping people kind of be able to talk through that process. And I do think, like Clark said, guys don't naturally talk about that stuff. In all fairness, though, I think that will be a great conversation for another podcast. And tonight, Aww. we are completely, completely out of time. Um, so with that, I'm going to close with this verse from Romans 12. Wait. Three. What? Wait. Put the water on your hands, <laughs> then the soap. Please do that. This is a your, PSA. Yeah, your PSA from for Millennial Mennonite Podcast. It's, it's water, then soap, then water. Okay, that's your order. And then when you're done, unless you're also an animal, dry. Dry with a towel or Please. something and not with your pants, preferably. Please. Romans twelve three says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I only read this verse because this is what I want for myself, and I'm afraid this is very tough for me, so hopefully I can get a little closer to it this week. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>